right. So tell us about Lisa and Lonnie. Lottie, 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 T-T-I-E and Lisa. I had a friend named Lottie, I think. I think you did too. That sounds very familiar. We first moved to Durham. Yeah. Was she from the United States? Did she bite someone? (laughs) No, I read a book with a Lottie who bit someone. Lassie. Ankle. And welcome to another episode of Wolf Disney. I'm Natalie. Oh, and I'm Sarah. Who? Um, and this is Wolf Disney. And, and we just did a we just did a parent trap. Just then. Fun switch. You don't even know who's talking right now. <laughs> um, and this is a podcast. We're two sisters. And <laughs> this thing that you're listening to that you had to go to like a podcast app to access it's a podcast podcast app um and we grew up with very little disney um exposure in our childhoods and so we are going through um disney movies one by one in chronological order and um talking about them so today's episode is the parent trap 1961. Right. That's what we can say afterwards instead of yay. Swing in 60s. I don't think that's a thing. I once again have come here without an icebreaker. Uh, I have one. Okay. Well, I have two now because of your flub. Okay. So the one I just came up with was um, let's, let's both introduce ourselves as the other sister and say like just like a brief sentence about yourself okay okay I'll I'll go for you now okay okay gotta get in the Natalie mindset hi I'm Natalie I'm 27 years old and I'm a senior at Columbia and I um, really like bluegrass and I have a lot of friends and (laughs) I dog sit a lot and um, sometimes I bite my nails. I don't. She doesn't. You don't. Just No, I never bite my nails. I would never do that. Um, did you hear that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was not ideal. Let me just balance that. Um, should I start over with my Natalie thing? Or? Nope. Okay. No, um, good. I it's um, a long sentence just for the record the run-on sentence because I, I'm not an English teacher like my sister was um <laughs> that makes it sound like you're not alive anymore <laughs> well my sister used to be an English teacher <laughs> um I don't know why Natalie's looking around Sarah's apartment <laughs> trying to find things to talk about Natalie uh but um I I wear glasses and um, I, I took banjo lessons briefly, um, but I gave that up because I don't like didn't, to You didn't give up the banjo lessons. The lessons ended. It was a semester. Oh, thank you for reminding me of that. Um, and um, 
I, I nanny for three hilarious children. Is there a period at the end of that? Is that the end of the sentence? Period. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Sarah and sorry. Hi, my name is Sarah Wolf and um, don't kids call you, call me that? Oh, they do. Yes. yes. Every time you babysit, you're Sarah Wolf. One, one word. Mm -hmm. um, hi, I'm Sarah Wolf and I am a pastor in Virginia and um one time when I was little, I stole my dad's paycheck and I kept it in my room for a few weeks. Um, I also one time took a glass of milk and put it in my play refrigerator for a little bit of time. Um, I would and, like a chance to revisit my icebreaker in a second. And um, I was a teacher um, previously and um, I... Um, I wear one contact usually. I think you have two in right now. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a good day. Good allergy day. Um, and um, I have friends too, period. Oh, thank you. Um, I'd like to just revisit. So are we supposed to guess who was who? No, but um, my name is Natalie again. And when I was a little kid, I ate dog food. A do I think I think you ate a dog treat. I ate a dog treat um, because I was being stubborn and I panicked. And so the treat went in my mouth. And you stand by that action, right? You had no other option. Well, the other option was for me not to give the dog the treat that Sarah, my sister paid for. I did not, you did not give the dog the treat. You gave it to yourself. So you were following the rules. They I really regret doing that. Hmm. Because my sister spent her hard-earned babysitting money on these dog treats. Okay. So I think I feel the, like ice the ice has been broken. The ice is broken. Yeah. We're really good about that. My yeah. other icebreaker though was uh camp stories. Natalie went off to camp. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I only have one. We're not telling that story? No. Okay. <laughs> I was in the second grade and I forgot to change my underwear. <laughs> I'd go to the bathhouse every night to shower and I would just grab my pajamas and forget that I need to change my underwear. And in second grade, I was not about to just do that in the cabin full of other okay. people. Which, which we'll talk about later on in this episode. Because there was one scene that I was like, no way and you know what, would I ever do that at camp? Um, oh. Yeah, so anyway, uh, so I came home and my mom unpacked my suitcase and found, uh, I guess, six perfectly folded pairs of underwear. <laughs> Probably days of the week at that point in time. Yep. Um, yep. So. Mine was that uh, when I was, probably, well, third through fifth grade, we, I went to Bethel Woods every year in South Carolina. And you had to be able to swim across the length of the pool on the first day to be able to go into the deep end. And so I wasn't like a super strong swimmer at that point, but I knew I could swim backstroke. And so 
I said, can you, can you swim like in any way you want to? And they're like, yeah, go for it. So I swam the backstroke. Um, also apparently I'm not good at swimming backstroke in a straight line Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you look up and just blue sky above you. So they, we were all in the pool and they were like, all right, go. And I, I took off and I was like, man, I'm flying down this pool. It was great. Then I hit the wall and I was like, man, I'm so fast. <laughs> and then I like popped up and I only done like a third. <laughs> I just like immediately arced to the right. But I think the counselors were like, all right, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> so that's my embarrassing camp story. All right. Not as embarrassing as Natalie's, but. Okay. All right. I was younger, but okay. That's true. That's true. Um, what did you research? Lindsay Lohan. No, you didn't. Yeah. Did you really? Watch The Parent Trap. Stop it. What did you research? (laughs) Um, I researched the story that it is based upon. Das Doppelte Lochtkin. Yes. Which translates to Lottie and Lassie or something. Lottie and Lonnie. Lisa and Lottie. Lottie and Lisa. Oh, do you remember your new thing? So my friend Hannah was listening to our Swiss Family Robinson episode and she had never seen it. Um, And she texted me saying that she halfway through the podcast realized that the movie itself was not set in 1960. Um, And so that's our bad. Yeah, so that reminded me that not everybody has seen all the movies we're talking about, clearly, because we haven't seen a lot of these movies. That's the whole point of it. But we've seen the movies that we're talking about. We have, yes. So we have seen the movies that we are talking about, let's be clear. Um, And so we're going to start a thing where we take turns each week um, giving a one-sentence synopsis of the movie. So last week, Sarah kind of did it by saying, that's a whole lot of dogs for 101 Dalmatians. Um, do you want me to do this? Or do you want to do oh, it? It sounds like we're taking turns. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Parent Trap, uh, a movie that gives uh, false hope to lots of kids around the United States. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, being like no, this? it was horrible. In, in 1961, being like a newly separated couple with kids. I mean, okay, I'm supposed to get into, like, the, the original story, but, like, yeah, let's just tackle that now, because I just felt like it was a little judgmental, because, like, sometimes things just don't work out, and maybe it's best for everybody to end a relationship and move on, and, like, that's really sad, but that's just how it works. Yeah. And I, I do think, I do think it is uh, kind of wild to to split up twins and not tell them either one exists like I think that is oh I'm in no way in no way advocating Um, for that yeah but um I mean what when I was watching it I really was like you know who we should have on our show on this podcast sorry not on our show but you know who we should have on this podcast episode who (laughs) you look really like scared yeah you're about to like pull somebody's like dirty laundry out on our podcast no 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 um, Jim, our cousin Jim, who is our second cousin in law, um, but he's a family courts judge mm-hmm. in South Carolina. And so it'd be interesting to call up Jim and be like, what are the odds any judge would be okay with this situation of like zero 
um, visitation for either parent for the opposite child, no contact at all for the children. Like what judge would ever be okay with that position? Yeah. So I, I, when I, I was curious when I began researching, um, about how this movie like maybe impacted, um, how kids and families think about divorce. Um, and I found, um, I didn't really go down that hole very far, but I did find this website was like the first hit, um, when I typed in like parent trap divorce or something. Um, and it was this website called like divorce lawyers for men.com or something. And it was just this list of, it was like the three things, like three negative impacts the parent trap has on like society and around divorce or something. And so one of them was like, um, a unrealistic view of like how, um, uh, custody, how custody works. Yeah. Um, and then also just like the hopeful wishing of the kids, like, assuming that they just like need to have this like magic evening together and they'll be back together. And I forgot the third option was. Right. Cause I mean, there were obviously issues between the parents in the movie. Like the first time they try to have dinner together, it just devolves into a fight. They hadn't seen each other in 13 years and they were already fighting. Like they've just jumped right back into it. So passionate. What? They're just so passionate. Passion does not make a marriage. Um, <laughs> Both of us are unmarried, by the way. We should just tell our listeners who do not know us that. But um, we have also taken pastoral care classes <laughs> in seminary. <laughs> and we are um, supposedly capable of leading premarital counseling. <laughs> this is true. So I'm going to just show the parent trap, I think. I think so. When hey, Drew and care. Susan, you know how I told you you need to go find a premarital counselor in Mississippi? Scratch mm-hmm. that. Um, just watch the parent chop both versions actually and listen to this podcast and that'll be your three sessions you're good you're to good go. you're good to go you're good to go but this will only work out if you have twins yes yeah yes it's true um anyway so should i do my yeah <laughs> i think okay so uh for tonight i researched um the original story that it's based on which is a german story um, das Doppelt Lotchen. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it is a children's book written by Eric Kastner. I think he wrote it in like 1949. Um, but just like the first couple sentences, I'm going to go ahead and cite my sources. That's all Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> what? I, I'm just like proud of my source list right now. You took you took the most obvious and fun thing to research. I watched this with my roommate Erin, and afterwards she said, "I want to know about the CGI technology." They of course, it, it was the obvious thing to research. So I researched what the story was based on, and um, and so when you start reading the Wikipedia page for the story, it's kind of boring. It's basically like. Um, the differences are the girls are nine instead of 13. Um, they meet in camp, one's from Vienna and one's from like some other city in oh. Germany. Although I know Vienna's not in Germany. Um, yeah. And they realized you know, the only weird thing was, um, so, so in the book, because of the novel, they, um, they spend way more time at their homes. So like when they do the switch, 
um, they spend more time with the parents before they bring them back together. Um, and like their personalities are really different. And so it was really weird. It was like Lisa, I think is, um, really shy and quiet, but like really studious. And so when she becomes Lottie, she like goes to Lottie's house and she's all of a sudden paying attention to the housekeeper's like receipts and stuff. <laughs> just was like, that's such a weird detail. Mm -hmm. Um, but finally, um, I think it's Lottie, uh, who is Lisa, but yeah, Lottie is Lisa. Um, and whichever parent, her dad, their dad is okay. in a relationship and is going to marry somebody, but Lottie gets sick and just stops writing. It's like the whole time they're not on the phone at 3am. Um, they've just been writing each other, I guess. And then all of a sudden Lottie stops writing for a while. And then Lisa, who's Lottie, uh, freaks out and tells her mom tells them tells her mom everything and then I think her mom like calls her dad and then Lisa gets better and then the parents end up getting back together so I'm not sure I'm not sure if I remember that their like purpose of splitting up and going to the other house was to get their parents back together like we see in Parent Trap but they definitely like pull a switcheroo on their parents. Yeah, I guess um, I am like, I am kind of surprised that um, that's what they jump to immediately and not just like, like getting their parents back together and not just being oh, yeah. like, hey, I just like want to spend some time with my dad because right. I've never spent time with him that I'm like, re that I remember. Right. Cause um, it's like, if, if that's all it is, then you don't have to pretend. Yeah, just just say, hey, this weird thing happened. Met my sister. Um, <laughs> you never told me about her. Yeah, and now I demand um, that <laughs> you fly us across the country just like every now and then um, and let us spend time together. I was trying to think about it, and I was like, I think what I would do is I would do, I would divide the Europe into fourths. And so each one gets three months, then they each get three months together at one of the other places. So there'd only be three months for each mother and father who, where they have no children. I feel like everyone wins. Yeah, you should consider, you should call up cousin Jim and ask if he has any um, open positions nearby. Jim, I, I can solve all of these custody issues. How, yeah. many, how many twins separated at birth do you have? Oh, you have three kids? That's not going to work actually. <laughs> one of them um, doesn't get in on this. Do you have like a, uh, a butler or something? <laughs> that would like to take on a child the amount of kids you have has to be divisible by <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so yeah so the story was kind of right it was kind of boring uh but within like one or two sentences of the lottie and lisa wikipedia page i started <laughs> to see uh the word nazi showing up a bunch <laughs> i was oh, like okay. that's interesting i did not see that coming okay my favorite joke yeah um and so 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 then I went back and read about the author and the author has a little bit more of an interesting life so Eric Kastner is the author of this book and um so he was German um he was famous for writing Emil and the Detectives which was incredibly popular in Germany at the time um 
it was different from other children's literature being published during that time because he said it in contemporary Germany. So he said it in modern, modern day times, which like Germany was still doing their like fairy tale Renaissance, like we talked about way long time ago. Um, And so that was just so like unheard of. He also didn't have any like morality tales in his, like they weren't trying to teach kids anything. This is in the forties. Yes. Late, late forties. He got the idea for it in 42, but he published it in, I'm sorry, Emil the Detectives, sorry, was published in the 30s. Oh, okay. Yeah, before World War II. He published Lottie and Lisa in the 40s. Okay. Um, so, um, so they were really, really popular. Um, so he, when World War II started, Kastner was a pacifist. He fought in World War I a little bit. I don't think he actually ever went to the front, but he had so many friends die and had such a horrible experience in training and all of that, that he was like, this war is evil and I want nothing to do with it. Also on his Wikipedia page, there was a little bit of like, there is some speculation that his birth father was Jewish, but that's kind of a rumor. Like it's not been confirmed, but it's a pretty common rumor apparently. But either way, Nazis did not like him. Um, he opposed the Nazi regime. First of all, he signed this, this, um, document that like 30 other scientists and authors and people, um, wrote right before the election of Hitler. Um, and so that kind of, you know, didn't sit well with the fascist leader. (laughs) Um, and so he was a part of Antifa. He was a part of Antifa. Yeah. Um, so like during World War II, um, he was at different times interrogated by the Gestapo a couple of times. His books were burned. It's like these children. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. His, his children's books were burned as antithetical to German spirit. Um, but then it's weird because it's like, you know, the Nazis were so um, intent on, on producing the ideal Germany that they saw how um, talented he was. And so every now and then they would call him in and be like, all right, we need you to write the screenplay for this movie. That's gonna like be all about the German ideal. So they knew he was like opposed to them but they also knew that he was really good at what he did. Hmm. So he kind of got a pass. They kind of gave him one because it benefited them. Um, a lot of the other authors at that time that were anti-Nazi had left, like they were in hiding and they'd left the country and he didn't because, um, he said, I'm German. I want to watch, I want to watch what happens. Cause he, he was also a newspaper reporter. And so he said, you know, if I'm going to write about this, I have to be seeing it. But then, um, the Wikipedia article also said that possibly he had a really close relationship with his mom that he just wasn't willing to leave her by herself. Um, in 1944, his home was destroyed by a bombing raid in Berlin. Um, and he and a friend managed to escape Berlin right before the Soviets arrived. But he'd also gotten word that the SS was going to kill him before the Soviets even got there. So like when they were doing their last ditch, just kill everyone kind of routine, he was on the list. Mm. Um, so he escaped and then made his way back to Germany and saw the wreckage and and he, he wrote, um, he wrote an autobiography about growing up in Dresden and Dresden was like completely destroyed by the bombing. 
um, he wrote an autobiography, which was kind of like a love letter to the town that he grew up in that no longer really exists. Um, and for that, he won the Hans Christian Andersen Award, mm-hmm. and he was um, uh, nominated for like a Nobel Prize in children's literature or something crazy oh. like that. Um, so like, I never heard of the guy, but he's apparently very famous um, yeah. in Germany for children's lit. Um, so yeah, so then, you know, so well, and when the Nazis were recruiting him to write screenplays for movies, he pitched them this book, the Lottie and Lisa book in 1942. Hmm. So he was like, how about this? And they said, no. Um, but then he ended up writing it and publishing it in 1949, but it's nowhere near as popular as the Emile and the detective series that he did. So that's, uh, Eric Kastner and Lottie and Lisa. Das doppelte Lotchen. And were his parents divorced? They were not. Well, I don't think that they were. His dad was an accomplished saddle maker. Um, Oh, I don't think that they were divorced, but, you know, there is this weird speculation that his actual father is a Jewish, like, physician or something. Hmm. So not the saddle maker. So I'm not sure where that came from. But I didn't see that his parents were divorced. Okay. They don't have to be. I was just wondering. That's a good question. uh, Like him imagining or a fantasy for his own childhood or something. I mean, it seems like it would have been a totally different book, but, like, in 1949, a totally um, plausible plot line would have been two girls who meet at camp whose parents had to be separated because of the war and each yeah. took a child and and assumed that the other parent child died yeah. and so never told their child. I mean, that would be a crazy moving film. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, but anyways, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he makes it about divorce. It's not really about divorce. It's not about divorce, no. The movie is definitely about divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. That was interesting. So, um, as I said, while watching this, um, my roommate said she wants to know about the uh, CGI they used in this movie. Do they call it CGI? They don't call it CGI. I actually don't really know what, what makes does CGI stand for. You know, I should look that up. Hold on, just a computer see. graphic illustration. Mm, no. Which Com- letter was wrong? G and I. Really? Computer generated mm-hmm. image. Imagery. Yeah. Com- uh-huh. Computer generated imagery. Um yeah, because computers in 1961 took up an entire room and were being used to somehow get a monkey into space. Yes, correct. Um, so I researched, you know, how they made the movie. Because um, throughout this whole movie, just like the Lindsay Lohan version, one, well, kind of, one actress is playing both sisters. Yes, Sarah. You might get to this. So I probably could wait, but I'm not going to. Um did you find anything that compared the two? No. Because okay. I figured we would get that once we get to the other sister shot. Tra- is, tra- is it a Disney movie? Yeah. Um, so the actress here is Haley Mills, who we have seen in Pollyanna. Um, and I think she's in like six more 
movies. I'm not quite sure, Disney movies, and I'm not quite sure if we're going to get to any more of them. I don't really know. Um, but um, she plays both twins. What? Uh, <laughs> Sarah, do you want to guess? So one twin has- Yes, whatever the question is, yes, I want to guess. <laughs> one twin has long hair and one has short hair. Do you want to guess which one was the wig? The short hair. The short hair was the wig. It was a very ugly haircut. I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, it really was. It was not flattering. It wasn't even like a bowl cut. It was like a, I feel like it's like the mullet of a bowl cut or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, it kind of looks like now that you say that, like the Beatles and the monkeys. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was not cute. It was not a good look. Um, I wrote in my notes, the short haircut is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, well, she, the grandmother says, when she like sees her with the short hair, she goes, you look hoidenish, which was a word I didn't know. So I looked that up and it means like, like a tomboy, but yeah, I was like, this is, I was, I was sure hoidenish was going to be some kind of slur. (laughs) There's no way that that's not like an anti like Jewish statement or something, (laughs) but it's a Dutch word. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the, the short hair was the wig. Um, although Haley Mills was, I think later interviewed about it and she said she even hated the long haircut. She thought that itself was also just as ugly, um, which is a little, little different haircut anyway. Um, so they used, um, split screen technology, which is still used today in movies, um, specifically a sodium vapor process, um, which was, which was also used um, in Mary Poppins and the birds and other movies, but those like are the two most popular ones, at least that I know of that I read about. When is it used in Mary Poppins? When do we get um, to watch Mary Poppins? That's gotta be soon. Soon, yeah. Let's focus though. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure it's used for- Oh, like, used for animation. Yeah, and, and humans too, like yeah. together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like the mirror scene with- oh, there is a mirror scene. You're right. I forgot about that. That's probably when it was used. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind, I mean, I, I read the Wikipedia, the, the Wikipedia article for sodium vapor process begins with, it's a fairly simple thing to understand. And I read it and I was like, oh, I don't, I can't recite this. Oh, you need, you, this means. you need to go back and edit that Wikipedia page. Yeah. Like- <laughs> It might be easy for some people to understand, but it might be hard for others. Here's the process. Like yeah. just, just edit that and be like, we're not adding judgmental right. things to these pages. Um, I think what they really meant is like, it is a fairly simple process, which makes sense because it was even used, at least the split screen part of it was used. Oh, in, in Duck Soup when you have... Um, Can you stop thinking of mirror scenes you know about? That's not what we're doing here. Well, that's not a true mirror scene. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another, yeah. <laughs> um, that thought came to my mind when we mentioned the Mary Poppins mirror scene and I was able to just put it back back in my mind. And yeah, that, that's, and that's why, Natalie, you are the executor of our parents' wills. Yes. <laughs> anyway, split screen technique um, was used like in the 20s and 30s as well in a film. And um, it was actually developed by um, three people are credited for it. And one of them we talked about last week is Oob Ework. I worked. Oh, 
Yeah. Um, so he's the guy who. Oh yeah, he he was big into the Xerox stuff. Yeah. So he is the guy who also created Mickey Mouse. Um. And so yeah. So then I read some articles about it. How did we not like come across his name when we did Fantasia? It's because so. Um, Oob and Walt Disney met while working in Kansas City, pre-Walt Disney pictures or whatever. Um, and so they moved to LA together once they were like laid off from the paper they were working for. Um, and they did some, I think, projects for um, some studios. And they came up, uh, somebody uh, did a, there's a book called, um, a mouse divided um that talks yeah. about talks about their relationship oh <laughs> this was the book that they found and they were like this is where mickey mouse comes from no no, no. there's okay. a book that came out like in the early 2000s i think um and it's called a mouse divided and it's about walt and oob's relationship and um and oob is known and that according to that book is known as the engine for this whole production whereas walt is more of just like the the manic like promote master yeah um and so people believe that oob is the one who actually created walt so oob is the one who designed mickey mouse and walt is the one who decided that it should have it should be an animated like it should have this voice and was the one who connected it to the the steam the famous steamboat cartoon um but oob is the one who designed mickey mouse and um and then sorry i i feel like i've heard like stories or whatever about how like when walt was in high school he would get in trouble for drawing mice all over his notes is that is that like one of those what is it called like the um mandela effect stories like is that not true so in the same book the author writes about how if you read later interviews from walt disney and like a lot of people ask about like the origin of mickey mouse and it seems like every single time he talks about it, the story expands or goes in a different direction of like, oh, my wife thought of it or, oh, like, and there's like, there's like a bunch of different, like, uh, like myths wow. creates about. And so they, um, Oob and Walt, because Oob didn't work at Disney for very long. Um, they split ways. Um, Oob owned, I think like 20% of Disney um and he sold that for like three thousand dollars oh buddy and this this book said that if he did not do that it would be worth like 72 billion dollars oh buddy um that just kind of breaks my heart yeah so um there are like a lot of articles if you type in oob iWorks and Walt Disney like the next thing is like relationship or like what happened with them um and so Walt it sounds like was able to kind of erase oob from this like Disney history yeah Um, yeah you know what Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're gonna do this one day but like one day I think we should do the wolf sisters go to Disney and like do a day at Disney but I think we should wear t-shirts that say something about oob like uber fans (laughs) uber mad you deleted oob from Disney supportive of oob yeah I thought you were gonna say and I got kind of excited we would like go into like the archives somehow and like talk to some like old that would be awesome too okay (laughs) I'd rather do that but I also want to like make a statement and then we'll see who the true Disney fans are yeah see I don't want to do that 
because those people you don't want to talk to oh I don't really <laughs> sorry I but I I will talk to you outside of Disney World but I don't want to talk to you inside Disney World it just seems like a it's you're just you know a little too anyway um but we can carry around signs that say ask us about our podcast no <laughs> they will be disappointed um so- <laughs> Anyway, they use split screen technology and Oob Iwerks along with Wadsworth E. Pohl and Petro Vlahos. Are- okay, all of these people have amazing first names. They do. And they are credited. I think Wadsworth is the one whose like, name is on the patent, patent I guess. Um, but the other two, I don't know if they work together or just like their technologies were combined to create the split screen um do you understand the process though after reading it i know that it's different the other like popular technology was a uh, blue screen process um and i different know from green screen and it's different from the sodium vapor i know the sodium vapor specifically uses like a yellow light um which i know that for the like the mary poppet it has benefits um like it, as opposed to the other process the blue screen, blue screen um, yeah. the yellow light helps like accent specific details so the wikipedia article was like so in mary poppins when she wears like a netted veil of some kind you can like see that detail because of the yellow light versus a blue light would not i don't know hmm. i don't quite understand it um i mean i think it pretty much is what we think it is of a split screen of having two different screens um depending on the scene objects for this is for a parent trap depending on the scene objects such as tent poles door frames and bed posts were used for division to obviate an awkward on-screen line yeah um and the parent trap won the oscar for best film editing um because of their um advanced use of this technique i mean i gotta imagine that if you're one of the other films nominated you'd be like cool (laughs) like yeah they reproduced a single person yeah pretty seamlessly well okay so you think they did but they cheated cheated it a little bit oh no um so sometimes was there sorry was there standing sometimes you just don't let me just say my stuff can you just let it happen my name's sarah and i'm i have adhd (laughs) um so susan henning um is around the same age as Haley mills and she was Haley Mills's body double. She was not credited for it. She was told she had to sign a contract, keeping it a secret, so that the Disney magic would not be revealed. Um, but she, um, I think, the DVD of it came out in like 2006, um, and she has an interview on the DVD um, special features about the process. Um, and so she was able to. She was used one as like, which I wondered about. She was often used when. Um, Haley Mills was having to talk to the twin just, yeah. just to help her spot where the twin was going to be. Right. And like probably play off emotions and stuff a little right. bit. Yeah. Um, and then she was also used um, whenever there was just like a, a shot be- of the back of one of the twins or even the side profile. Sometimes they could um, use her side profile um, as one of the twins. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't really consider that to be cheating though, because just like for the artistry of the film <clears throat> you don't want to watch an entire over two hour movie by the way um 
of two girls side by side looking at us. You know what I mean? Like there were really only a couple of scenes that lent themselves to the two of them, like being side by side, like having conversation or, or like looking at their parents. But like, there were definitely scenes where you're we like, this makes total sense that we would see the backside of somebody. And it doesn't make any sense that they would film the backside of Haley Mills a million times. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's cheat. I just mean, I think it's cheating because they didn't tell, like they, they tried to keep it a secret that they even used oh. this poor yeah. 12 year old. They should have never done that. That's horrible. Uh, yeah. So they would use, they put a rubber nose on her. They're about the same height. They put a rubber nose on her, which sorry, Haley. She- she does have a distinctive nose. Yeah. Haley Mills' nose is, is like an upturn. Um, they would put tissue paper under her top lip to make it jut out a little bit. Um, and they padded her bra, um, which is a weird. Anyway. Um, and so she got um, a Duckster Award from Walt Disney with the inscription, the best unseen performance by an actress. And the Dexter was um, just an uh, inside Disney Studio award that was given sometimes. Um, Wikipedia. Do you know other ones? Wikipedia has a list of people. Um, Clarence Nash was the one name I recognized, who is the Do- uh, Donald Duck vocal actor. Um, so it's supposed to be a mix. The name comes from Duck and Oscar mixed together. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you're saying Dexter, like Dexter. It is Duckster. So I don't really know how they got okay. her from that. Duckster uh, would be better. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she got that, which is neat, I guess, but she wasn't credited for it for years. Um, and so that led me down the hole of Susan Henning. Um, she uh, was, she was an actress. She did some other stuff. Um, but if you go to her like personal website, which is susanhenning.com, she um, there's a lot of Elvis stuff on it. Hmm. Like, what is this? Um, and so she has a memoir that came out in 2008 called Elvis 68. Um, and the description of it says, tender memoirs of working with Elvis. Um, so she was in Live a Little, Love a Little. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and the 1968 Elvis comeback special. Um, those are so cringeworthy. At, yeah. at Graceland, there's this whole like room that you can just sit and watch these comeback specials and whatever. And it's just like gross Elvis kissing women in the yeah. audience. It's really nasty. Yeah. So she. I don't know when she last updated her website, but under her autobiography, it ends with, and I look forward to seeing you all at Elvis week at the blah, blah, blah. So she shows up to Elvis week to give autographs. I don't really know if she's that big of a person in the Elvis world or if she thinks she is, Um, but it's on, on her website. It says my all time favorite, the 1968 Elvis special where Elvis and I came together again, igniting our chemistry to thrill the fans. Um, so she was in little, live a little, love a little, um, which I have to see what year that was. Um, well, and I'll, while you're looking at it, I'll just tell you, this is a total side note, but I, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Elvis week. Yeah. Elvis week is so stupid because, um, Elvis was born on January 8th. He died in August. I don't know what the date is. Um, but 
we know January 8th only because that's our dad's birthday, not because we're big Elvis fans. But um, in Memphis, Elvis week is the week that he died in August because it's too cold in January to have Elvis week. In Memphis, right? In August in Memphis, it's 95 degrees every single day with the humidity of like 120%. August in Memphis is miserable. The town is overrun with, oh my God, Elvis people, it's horrible. All right, we just are really slowly kind of ostracizing ourselves from very like specific segments of the population. Oh, but I will say though that like anyone listening from Memphis will agree that it's a little bit miserable. Like one time I had to run into uh, Silky O'Sullivan's to pick up a whole bunch of barbecue for my campus minister or for a young adult kickoff party. And I'd like wade through, this is obviously pre-COVID because the thought of doing this now makes me like physically have symptoms. Um, wade through like a thousand people just to get my to-go barbecue. It was horrible. Okay. So let's talk about live a little, love a little, just a little bit. Cause I never Googled a little, love a little, love a little, little bit. That's like, a I term. never Googled it until just now. It was also in 1968, which is the same year as a special. Um, the theatrical release poster says it's a picture of six women in bikinis holding a fully dressed Elvis. Um, and it says like a recreation of, um, yeah, the Donald duck. It says watch Elvis click with all these chicks. Um, and the, this is the only description. Oh no. Yeah. This is pretty much the only, this is like the synopsis or the importance, I guess that Wikipedia puts in its first paragraph. It says the film introduced the song a little less conversation. Oh, yeah. I can probably guess what that's about. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Susan Henning was in this movie um, and claims that she and Elvis immediately had chemistry. Um, and then she auditioned for the comeback special as a dancer, which she wasn't a dancer, but she says that like, this is in an interview I read, but she um, says that they picked up on her just um, like sweet girl next door look um, and they wanted her. And so she got to go on stage and she says, surprise Elvis. Um, she started dancing behind him and he turned around and of course he recognized her. I'm not sure he recognized her. Oh my God, um, on so many different drugs and whatever. She talks like vaguely about this like short-lived romance they had. At the time, she was also in a serious sounding relationship, um, which put a strain on that. Uh, she came clean. <laughs> she came she came clean to her boyfriend and was like I'm um like I, I love you and I th- I think like this is going somewhere but I also need to be honest like I feel guilty that I'm attracted to this other guy and it's Elvis and it's Elvis like does not seem to like <laughs> differentiate um like celebrity crushes I guess um, sure sure I mean, yeah like, my guilty. next boyfriend I'm gonna have to be like here are the list of men yeah <laughs> Outlander and if they're working together maybe I don't know anyway um so they're on comeback special together and there's allusions in her interviews to like the chemistry they had um but in the end I think one of the interviews I read the interviewer was like um did you like were you the only was he like only talking or dating to you at the time and she was like no like that's why it had to end is I knew that I was just like another girl like 
of many that he was at the time like spending time with and and she was like she visited him in las vegas i think and they're like well what'd you do in las vegas together and she was like oh we mostly just spent the time in a hotel room which i know sounds perverted but like you can have a lot of fun in a hotel room that's not what you're thinking of it's elvis oh yeah this is so cringeworthy (laughs) like this whole thing is so yeah like it's cringeworthy so she and I think I want to remember her best as the body double for Haley Mills. She and Haley Mills were around the same age and they became really good friends. And um, if they both stayed in touch with each other throughout their careers, um, she says that she gave because Haley Mills was British. Um, and so she said that she kind of helped Haley um, off screen with some of her questionable American accents. Her accent was horrible the whole like I so I. I can do, I jump in? I, do you want me to I think I'm done so I'm gonna just wrap this up and we okay. can move on to accents so that's um a little bit about how the movie was made with some uh long detours into oop iWorks <laughs> and Susan Henning um both pretty interesting people we'll say that um yeah so we're going to talk about the accents is that what you yeah. want to talk about uh oh man so I, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've definitely seen this version of the parent trap before, mm-hmm. probably a couple times. I feel like grandmommy maybe had this on like VHS or something. Um, I'm actually, now that I'm saying that pretty sure she did, um, which is funny because it's a movie about divorce. I don't understand that, but it's a feel good movie anyways. Um, but I have definitely seen the Lindsay Lohan version a million times. Yeah. It's really well done. Yeah. Like it holds up. And, and there were lines from this movie that I remembered from the Lindsay Lohan version. Like I can picture the Lindsay Lohan characters saying those exact lines. Well, and the casting, like her grandpa, I was like, this yeah. is the same man. Oh, there was that scene, that scene, especially when she meets her grandfather and she says, I'm making a memory. I'm going to remember how my grandfather always smelled like pipe tobacco and peppermints. And I was like, that is the exact line. And I don't, (laughs) it's how well I know the newer version. So i like picked up on that and I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between these two movies. Um, I just now found my note where I realized it. Um, because I was like, right. So one of them is raised in California and one of them is raised in London. Got it. And I heard the chauffeur say, (laughs) I thought this, I heard the chauffeur say when he dropped her off, uh, yeah, from Boston. And I was like, oh, they must have to have an American contact to send their kid to camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that, I was like, that's weird, whatever. And, and I still like, I mean, if I'm looking at my notes right now, it goes all the way until they are in the isolation cabin. And uh, Susan, that's the California one, right? I have no clue. I think Susan's that one. Susan takes her gum out and just like throws it on the floor. And I wrote, did she just take her gum out and throw it on the floor? Gross. And then my next question was, wait, she's from Boston? Yeah. Like, So for the listeners who haven't seen this in a while or at all, um she's supposedly from boston she has a vaguely british accent like almost just like that atlantic like 
um it's more british than that yeah it's definitely not boston i know that oh my god no it's i mean it's not like remember that the super bowl commercial that had all like the famous bostonians Mm -hmm. they were all like doing their thing yeah it's it's not like that it's not like uh that show we watched over christmas wayne yeah it's not like that um it (laughs) i thought she was from england i was like this isn't gonna go well and and then like the California girl, I was like, she has the same accent. Every now and then she would have an, a hard R like we do. But for the most part, I was like, this is. Well, yeah, there are interviews with Haley later. And she was like, she's like, if it weren't for me having to wear a wig from time to time, I would have, I wouldn't, I never knew like which one I was supposed to be playing. Like that's what saved me and like having different characters. And I was like, that would be hard for, it would be hard for a British young actress yeah to have to do two different American accents. That's true. And but, I don't I don't know why they could have just made her in London. Right. Like that would be the- Lohan isn't from <laughs> yeah. Um the accents were horrible. Like no uh voice coach or whatever. Like well did you watch it with subtitles? Yeah. Because the subtitles oh, yeah. when they're doing accent lessons with each other says an American it says American speaking British and speaking American. I did see and that. And I was just like, yo, Disney so we, Plus. We all acknowledge that this is a British accent. I'm gonna like we're all just gonna acknowledge that. that. If we're gonna do that and we're gonna, you know, I need the same warning screen screen ahead of time before the movie saying, caution, the accents are gonna confuse you. They're not accurate, but just enjoy the show, you know? Just suspend disbelief and let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you thought two couples could raise 101 Dalmatians, (laughs) you can deal with this. (laughs) Yeah. The accents were just, I don't, I mean, obviously though, I will say this, that as a kid, it never bothered me. I never picked up on it. I was just like, yeah, they're definitely two sisters. And one grew up in Boston, (laughs) one grew up in California. Yeah. what they're the same person did you notice in the opening credits they gave her credit twice yeah Haley Mills and Haley Mills I was like haha well done he's good um my favorite joke I made during it is at the uh end of the dance when um one of them cuts the other one's dress up Sharon cuts Susan's dress um so her underwear is showing um, oh, so we get into kind of a slap fight and I said stop hitting yourself <laughs> that's a good joke thank you because she was i think aaron kind of smiled sympathetically at me oh no that's a good and so joke. I, I said i'm gonna write that one down for the podcast you should maybe i should watch these movies with someone um do you think that we need a sister signal are there fingers crossed thing yeah no i, I my my submission would be the owl upside down hands no 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 i think our sister some signal already is us miming elf dumping the spaghetti back into the ziploc bag when somebody (laughs) or the edge of sketch yeah when somebody (laughs) is is not into our idea or plan you were totally correct yeah whenever something like that happens like we'll be at home and i'll be like hey mom and dad we should go to this place and they're like no that's a horrible idea i'll look at natalie and i'll just do this this little like gesture which is nobody can see you <laughs> you describe it which is in the movie elf when he is suggesting all the things he can do with his dad and his dad's like yeah i don't have time for that buddy and he erases his etch-a-sketch 
or when he's like, I'm not going to eat that spaghetti here. And he's like, oh yeah, of course. And he like scrapes it into back onto the plate. Like That's, shaking his head. And he's um, like, oh yeah, of course. Ridiculous suggestion. No, you're right. That is our sister signal. Yeah. I didn't think of that so fondly now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say is us just picking up our phones to text each other from the same room. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, parents. Yeah, or me like aiming clearly aiming my camera at dad and my phone camera as you say, Are you recording this? And or um, me like continuing like, Dad, tell us yeah. more about this ridiculous tirade tirade you're going on. Um, the camp director, I mean the camp counselor. Hey, Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Yes. Which I did a little bit of looking up on her. Oh, that's a good name, one. Whose name I don't know. Jane. Hmm. Jane something. Or she might have been Jane in the Beverly Hillbillies. I want to say Jane, but now that I'm saying Jane, I think that she is the 1960s version of Jane Lynch. Hmm. Nancy Culp. Nancy Jane Culp. Aha, Jane's in her name. Can you see the Jane Lynch connection? And she plays Miss Jane Hathaway. Yeah. Jane Hathaway, yeah. Yeah, I did some quick looking up on her and she, which this might be common knowledge, this might be something that dad listens to and was like, yeah, of course. You didn't um, know that? Yeah, in 84, she ran for... Um, uh, her life? For, she, she ran as a Democratic nominee for the House of Representatives for Pennsylvania's 9th Congressional District. I didn't know that. As an opponent, as the, as an opponent of a Republican incumbent, Bud Schuster, in a Republican-dominated district, Culp was a decided underdog um but she's mrs hathaway <laughs> to her dismay her hillbillies co-star buddy epson no um ah no don't ruin buddy epson for me oh it's not good oh, he, buddy contacted, epson. he contacted the schuster campaign and volunteered to make a radio campaign ad in what she called culp too liberal culp said of epson he's not the kindly old judd clampett that you saw on the show it's none of his business and he should have stayed out of it and she said that she and Epson didn't get along because I found him too difficult to work with, but I never, I never would have done something like this to him. Um, and she lost that race. Um, and it was just known to her friends and family that they were never to mention his name around her. Um, she did not want to like talk about him or think like the only time that people were allowed to ask in interviews about him was if it were specifically about Beverly Hillbillies. That's so awful. Yeah um and he apologized he privately expressed privately expressed remorse for doing the ad um he doesn't have remorse and they only reconciled shortly before she died that's crap yeah anyway sorry it's okay um i was just yeah i mean i know i definitely watched a lot i don't i don't remember anything about the like i don't know the plot lines of beverly hillbillies but i know that I was in the room a lot while I was on TV. Um, and so as soon as I saw her as a camp counselor, I was like, I know this woman. <laughs> like, did this yeah. not just like if yeah. She um, was the secretary for Mr. Drysdale. Yeah. Um, at the bank. Yeah. And she put up with a lot of Mr. Drysdale's crap and interpreted a lot of the Beverly Hillbillies eccentricities. She did, she um married a man for about 10 years and then later was in an interview and um somebody gay? so somebody asked about marriage or love or something and she 
it was like in the 80s and she gave kind of a vague response about like you're attracted to who you're attracted to or something like that um and the person who interviewed her um from that point on was like I think that was her like way of kind of coming out as best she could in the 80s good so. for her that's what I'm saying it's just like some Jane Lynch vibes um yeah I mean she's not like quite as mean as like Sue Sylvester <laughs> Glee in this movie but she definitely has some like I'm in charge kind of vibes mm-hmm. you know speaking of adults in this movie at camp okay not a lot of adult supervision you know I mean so here's the thing like I remember watching these movies movies like any movie where somebody went to camp and they always went for the whole summer and I was like where are these camps do they are they real do they really exist because they are real I only went for a week at a time yeah church camps aren't equipped to handle an entire yeah it looked kind of fun I was like I'd be fine if mom and dad shipped me off for a whole summer that's how like Kanata was really that's a whole summer camp I mean you can still do like like it so much what like all the camp Kanata kids were like really annoying about it yeah I mean it's it's similar to like yeah it's similar to like summer stop at Montree like it's it's just kind of like this like almost like not cult but like it's 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 a group that you're a part of um I mean summer camp kids and I said this with a lot of love as somebody who went to summer camp but not for extended sessions um camp kids are they're different and uh camp is like it's something that they look forward to when they're adolescents, at least, which makes sense. Like middle school's, yeah. middle school's hard. And if you like find your crew at summer camp yeah. in like the woods where you just canoe and stuff like, and there's, there's the boy camp next door. I don't know how often that happens, but uh, <laughs> it happens in went, every movie. As somebody who went to Girl Scout camp for years. Um, I forgot you did that. But I don't remember ever. I don't remember ever having a dance with the boys down the street in Graham, North Carolina. No, I mean the only camp experience I have is Bethel Woods, and we had like we were divided up into like I, I don't know, like I don't know what word they use, like families, I guess maybe. But like you would have a family of like maybe twenty kids, and it would be ten girls and ten boys. So we had a boys' cabin and a girls' cabin in our little area of the woods. Um, but we had our counselor, our female male counselor, our female counselor was in our cabin every single night. And our male counselor was in the boys' cabin. So like watching this, I was like, I just like the lack of adult supervision made me super uncomfortable. And I can't remember if we had count. I think we did have counselors stay in our cabins, but I also wondered, like I then wanted to come home and research like safe spaces policies for like, so then do you have to have two counselors at all times? Yeah, maybe like, now you would. Yeah. Um, and like the policies of like gender segregation um, mm-hmm. in cabins and tents. Um, uh, yeah, just the lack of adults was weird to me. Yeah. Because I think especially when, sorry, when the two, when Susan and her friends sneak in to do the honey prank, which it doesn't matter how much you hate somebody, honey is never an okay thing to do. Twice in that movie. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Twice in the movie. Twice in the movie. When the girls go in to do that prank, it's, 
they, they, they like, I mean, I think it's like shaving cream and chocolate syrup and honey. And then they do the string webbing net thing. Um, and then right then on that day, they're having a bunk inspection and miss, Mrs. Inch who the camp is named after. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and Jane from, uh, the Beverly Hills, Mm -hmm. um, and somebody else, they walk in and they're like, oh, all these demerits. Oh, horrible. I'm like, who in the world would ever do that to their own oh, cabin? Right. Like, all right, ladies, before we go to bed tonight, we're going to put mud everywhere and chocolate syrup and we're going to put yarn all up in the ceiling. It'll be hilarious for ourselves. <laughs> like, it made no sense. Yeah. Um. Um, I think I was less concerned about the lack of adult supervision, but just like the, which made me like wonder of what these summer long camps are like, but they just had a lot of downtime. Like, I was like, do you not have a station to go to? Like when the girls all just march whistling behind the twins and Miss Inch and finally Miss Inch is like, go, go go do something. And I'm like, do they not have like required field games because I hated that part of camp but like you had to go to it yeah um like why are they spending so much time in this cabin together um I also saw at the very beginning when they did like their first dinner and they had the special speakers you know as Mrs. Inch and then like the male Mr. Inch Mm -hmm. like equivalent at the camp next door um and she was like, yeah, we're going to have a dance at the end of the week. But if you have demerits, if your cabin is messy, you're gonna... <laughs> I think I typed in Natalie and I never would have gotten to the dance. I would have been like, that's fine with me. Cool. I'd I'm love a night in after all this activity. I'm not going to make me, my bed. Let me just read a book or write a letter to my grandma. I'd... Yeah. Yeah. Mom made me make the bed every single day. So I'd have been like, yeah, dude, not making my bed. <laughs> this is one week where... I don't have to do it. Not do yeah. it. Which would have been fine because none of them looked like they were having a good time at that <laughs> dance. True. It was crazy awkward. Yeah. I mean, it, the whole idea is, is ridiculous. Like, here's a hundred girls. Here's a hundred boys. None of you have ever met. Yeah. It's a weird thing to encourage. It's just strange. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, uh, Susan... Mm-hmm. Uh, from California is talking to oh his name's really weird you know what I'm talking about yeah it's like Bertram or something like that yeah and she's like she's like oh you would love California and I'm like you gonna marry this kid you're 13 you met him one dance at your summer camp you live in California yeah I was in New York I think I was thrown off by that whole situation mostly because I knew that she was being like written as a tomboy, which does not mean tomboys can't be interested in boys, but I just like assumed that she was going to be like standoffish and awkward, but like she was having the time of her life at that dance and she they like stepped outside to have like a breather and like talked, yeah, talked about where they're from. Um, Whatever. I guess she's, yeah, I guess that's progressive at the time. I don't know. <laughs> It was, it was a little different. Oh, here's a scene that I was like, there's no way I would ever do this. 
and you and your underwear story. There's one scene right before they get put into like the co-cabin. No, they are in the co-cabin, I think. But their showers are so far away. But oh. yeah, Susan in the shower with her two friends and they're like under one shower head and they're talking about how horrible Sharon is. And I was like, I never would have had the self-confidence or whatever mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, here I am in the shower with my two good friends. I would have been like, mom, I'm not going back to camp. And, <laughs> and I know that, and mom, if mom listens to this, she will say this, is that every every year for Girl Scout camp, mom would register me. And as I got closer, I'd get more and more anxious about it. And I'd be like, I don't want to go. Um, Cause I enjoyed myself when I was there, but it just took a lot of like pumping. And so it got to the point where mom was like, I was in middle school and mom was like, okay, you don't have to go, but you have to pay me back the registration fee. And so mom would take my allowance, not take it from me, but I have to pay her my allowance. But every year I thought fail, I'd be like, I do think I want to try it. <laughs> mom would be like, okay. Here's a chunk of change that you've been paying me for. <laughs> Camp's expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That totally sounds like a mom thing. Um, yeah. But if that shower thing happened, that would have been one more thing that I was like, I can't deal with that for another week of my life. Yeah, I mean, apparently that was a thing at some point, but like showering after gym, it's like, not doing it, buddy. Not doing it. I don't care how bad I smell. There are no curtains on any of these showers. Like, that was weird at Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. One, I remember one year, I think it was my senior year of high school, we had this crazy big snow, like two feet of snow overnight, and we we didn't have power. For a couple days. Second, yeah, I was in second grade. Yeah. And um, but but the high school was designated as like an emergency shelter and we could walk there. Like we could see the high school from our backyard. And so dad was like, uh, first of all, he put on the his like coverall hunting outfit that he bought to wear once hunting. And it was like it turned him into a new man. And he was now an outdoorsman. It was really annoying. Uh, And he was like, I'm walking to the high school and I'm going to have a shower. (laughs) I was like, you have fun. (laughs) I will not be doing that. He was, and then he was like, talking like I was a crazy person. And I was like, listen, you, uh, I go to that high school. Believe me. I've taken gym. You don't want to shower there. Not a it's good place. Weird. It's so weird. Uh, and so I do remember taking a cold, dark bath in our bathroom. I mean, it was horrible, but I was just like, I will much rather do this other. I will not walk to the high school and shower in those nasty. Yeah, no way. Hours. No, I remember and like my, at some point in high school, MRSA was spreading in our, in high school. And I remember I found out about it and I was like, it's the showers. I don't really understand Marissa, but it's the showers 100%. Um, and that's why I will not be doing, I'll not be participating in that activity. Um, yeah. When I was always like, did y'all's showers also just let us know. Um, did y'all's high school showers have curtains or stalls of any kind? Dividers, dividers. And I'm not asking you parents who were born in the 60s I mean people who went to high school in like the 90s right. and 2000s um what was the shower situation and what was the expectation behind you in relation to the showers 
because sometimes our gym teachers would be like, I know y'all don't shower. Oh, like, yeah, you're damn right. We don't shower. I would go to the sink and put hair, what hair? I mean, I'd go to the sink and put water on my hair and I would say I showered. And I was like, I'll just put deodorant on. It's really okay. But, but like no one else was showering. It's not like I was no. like the one kid who was no. like, I'm not doing this. Like everyone was like, we're going to act like that room doesn't exist. Yeah. We would just go sit oh, there. Change back into our clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. Anyway, um, the long shower segment was, um, I just want to say that I'm kind of mad that we missed out on the New York city fashion montage. That is a good part of the new movie. I really thought we were going to get to do that. And she was like, let's spend a few days in New York city first. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And they're like, oh no, we're in California. And here's all the stuff I bought. And I got my hair cut and. Um, my daughter looks like a brownie now because her outfit was horrible when she arrived. But anyways, that's a good point. Uh, that was disappointing. It's very disappointing. I really wanted a montage. But yeah, I mean, she looked great though afterwards. She did. Yeah. The grandpa was like walking a fine line, I felt like. Yes. He was like, you kind of like matronly, my daughter. Um, but she looked real good when she had her makeover. Yeah. We brought in my roommate and good good friend Aaron, um, who I mentioned earlier. Um, I did too when I was Natalie. Uh, vaguely, yeah. Um, she said I have a lot of friends. Um, uh, we tried to do a, <laughs> we did a bit, a bit. We did a bit. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh, also got like a sister sister. Yeah. That makes sense yeah. for this movie. Got it. Um, I mentioned earlier that Erin also, she and her brother grew up watching both Parent Traps. Um, and so we watched it together. Is it Parent Traps or Parents Trap? Traps. There, traps. there are two different traps. Okay. Um, so do you have a camp story? You don't have to. Um, I do. I Yes, okay. sure. Um, I did go to sleepaway camp once. Um, I only went once for a reason. I went to Camp Fitch, I believe is what it was called, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, and we slept in what were called cabents, mm-hmm. which were essentially picnic pavilions with bunk beds in them and like tarp sides that could be rolled down if it rained. Was it a Presbyterian one? camp? Um, it's a YMCA camp. Okay. So Christian imagery, um, not Presbyterian. <laughs> um and yeah it didn't rain the whole time so those flaps stayed up all week uh we you got to pick which like special activities you got to do throughout the week and one of the ones that I picked was sea kayaking because it was on Lake Erie and that sounded like fun to me it's not a sea it's not a sea but you can't see the other end of it so you could pretend (laughs) yeah um and every day we like practiced sea kayaking and learned different techniques for sea kayaking. And then it was supposed to end at the, like the culminating thing at the end of the week was this two mile kayak trip to an island. I say, I think it was two miles. It might've been like a half a mile. <laughs> I was, it goes in middle school maybe. Um, but it felt like two miles. We kayaked all the way to this island and we were supposed to have like a little snack picnic there. And we got there and the camp counselors broke out the picnic for us. Um, 
and we had water and those whale crackers, <laughs> like the goldfish the whales, tree. the Dollar Tree whales. Um, and the water jugs that they had for us, like had not been rinsed properly. Hot. So they were still soapy from the dining hall. And so we had soapy water and whales. And to this day, I don't like whales. Um, I think a lot of people really like them. Like, I love like, whales. Yeah, we've all whales. I'm sorry, all whales or cracker whales? Just cracker, cracker whales. whales. I'm cool I feel like we whales. should like qualify that. Yeah, no, real whales, I am totally cool with, but the cracker whales. I think Natalie and I have had this conversation before about her liking whales and I'm just like I can't do it really and it's good. because I was so hungry and tired when I got to this island after sea kayaking there <laughs> and I just, had, I just had whales and soapy water after kayaking yeah like Sarah said 12 miles <laughs> did they feed you lunch when you got back I mean I we I'm sure we had all of our meals that day I'm sure okay. it was not that dramatic I'm sure we didn't go that far it sounds but, horrible yeah I slept outside all week and um cool. yeah so we brought Aaron on to talk about the camping scene um so I think both of us one that's that's another like whole segment that's almost identical almost identical to it the is one. Mm-hmm. like the um, lizard on the water canteen yeah. yeah yeah um was the bear scene in the old one in the newer one too I think no, because there's that, no small animals. The sleeping prank and the new one is the air mattress, right. which that's oh, she's on the water technology. Yeah, um, for the new version, yeah. But that was a scene when Aaron and I, and I think Nick might have been in the room at that point, where we were like, her name's Vicky. <laughs> like honestly, Vicky's not reacting that far out of like a rational response to waking up to bear cubs being in your tent. Oh yeah. Screaming, screaming, I hate this place over and over again is a little, it's a bit much if you're trying to like get this man to marry you. But um, we talk about like the stick thing. Um, The like twins, and this happens in the new one, the twins twins pretend while she's over, like eavesdropping that you can tap sticks together to scare mountain lions away. And so she's caught doing it. Um, And I was like, I don't like, it's not not gonna help I feel like I've been told that kind of stuff like I mean because where we live well like where I am there are bears around here that like migrate like between mountain ranges at certain times of year and so like if like people know what to do if you are hiking by yourself you you make noises and you you know like that wasn't so far-fetched for me, it was the old man, like the the, the handyman or whatever. It was like, it's just two bear cubs. And I was like, yeah, but like, what do you know about bear cubs? <laughs> hmm. They have mothers. Yeah. <laughs> They're crazy protective. It seems like not the best prank. Like maybe her life was in danger and her reaction is kind of valid. Um, I have a fun fact about banging sticks together that I didn't share while we were watching yesterday. Um, But banging, not necessarily banging two sticks together like that, but banging sticks on trees and making a similar sound is how Sasquatches communicate. Um, And so, well, according to um, Bigfoot hunters on either the Travel Channel or Discovery Channel. I'm not sure where they air these (laughs) days. Um, But that is one tactic that they go to fairly often um, is just banging sticks on trees um, and they wait for a response. And there have been 
um, recorded responses on that show. So I- Have they looked in to see if the responses are two set or a set of twins who have been separated by birth who are trying to destroy the relationship between their father and his fiance? Right, I think- I think that there is some um, potential that that is what is happening in the woods, but like uh, they also they also have not proven that it's not Bigfoot, so it's true. Um, mm-hmm. It could be. Anyway, that is one. I yesterday when we were watching this movie, I said I I don't think I would be super upset about the smacking the branches together thing because it's not going to hurt, right? It's not <laughs> like, like, like he threw a tantrum and how embarrassed this, she was. This attracts like, Bigfoot. This attracts bears. Yes. Big like, you're, you're certainly not attracting mountain lions or bears no. when you are being loud. Um, but on the flip side of that, you could be attracting Bigfoot, which might not be um, the way but that it is. That's based on a negative perception of Bigfoot. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, like the big, I mean, the Bigfoot hunters are trying to attract Bigfoot. Maybe so. Bigfoot's just been waiting to be invited to the party. It's a good, a good way to look about it. That'll preach, Sarah. Thank you. There's a sermon there. Mm-hmm. When, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I'm uh, the last second, I have nothing to say. I'm going to preach about Bigfoot. Her fit though was crazy. the what's her name vicky yeah she like upturns everything and then slaps the girl oh yeah when she slaps oh my gosh that was the that was yeah you guys share everything right give her this i was like (laughs) yeah i was like that's i mean i was on yeah it was bad to see but I was kind of grateful because I was like, all right, he definitely saw that. So like, this is like for sure yeah, the end of that right. relationship. Um, what did you think though about, like the mother was so hard to read because it was like, you know, at first she's like, I don't care what I wear. Like, I'm just going to go fetch my daughter. And then she's like, okay, I'll do the makeover or whatever. But then it's once she lands in California and gets to the ranch, it's like she is actively trying like is it because she's the jealous ex-wife and she's or she's just like or she's the ex-wife that wants to just mess with her husband like I think it's that she didn't realize that he was about to marry this young woman who was there for the money did the girls disclose to her that disclose to her that that's what was happening in California or did she just think she had to switch them back yeah yeah just the switch yeah yeah right yeah because she I know that's what happens in the new one I yeah she gets there and he is like mad about them being there and she's like I had no clue this was like happening this weekend because like the the priest is there and yeah she didn't know that that was the situation but she was like hello like like as soon as she learned there was another woman, it was like she kind of switched into this new person. It was her wiles. Her feminine wiles. Her feminine wiles kicked in there when she saw competition. Also, I think she, I mean, it's clear that she, like with the fact that she like needed a full makeover and was kind of like stuck, you know, 10 years behind from when she was last in love. Like I, I think that was part of her like identity makeover or was her remembering like who she was as like, a love interest and yeah. a partner um because she's just like living with her parents and her daughter her mom is the worst her mom is 
not very fun. We have more than one. Oh, one more thing. The, sorry, the dad, did he remind you of anyone? No. Richard Gere. What? Richard Gere. No. Sorry. No. Um, to me, he, I could have sworn that he was going to be the father to the dad from Boy Meets World. Oh, I can see that. To the point where I looked it up because like their voices are the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's 40 years apart, but yeah. Well, yeah, that would be right. For one to be the dad, one to be the son. Sarah is saying that the actor who plays the dad in The Parent Trap yeah. is the father of the actor that plays the dad in Boy Meets World. A grandpa? The father of the dad in Boy no, Meets World? No, Sarah does not think that the actor has any role in Boy Meets World. Oh. Just that those two actors outside of those shows oh, are related in, in real, real life. life. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I was like, no way. He was old. I understand. Oh, that. you thought you thought I meant the characters? The actor. I thought you meant the same actor who plays the dad in the parent trap is the same actor. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I I meant like he could be the father, but then I looked it up and the guy who plays the dad in Boy Meets World, his dad was a sailor in like Virginia. So, So, but like, I really thought that they looked so similar and sounded similar. Yeah, I can see that. Um, If dad ever listens to this, I think the dad in this movie played in a lot of Westerns. So we'll see if dad listens to this. And the mom was like close friends with John Wayne. She was in a lot of movies. Yeah. I was looking her Maureen. Up. Maureen O'Hara. Yeah. She's a redhead. So like a lot of movies that she's in is like the Irish woman from whatever place. I think like, she's Irish. Um, well, a relationship connection though is that she is Catherine O'Hara's mother. Oh, what wow that's a made-up fun fact it'll be quiet Um, it could be true (laughs) we do our research here it might be from wikipedia but we do research here she has one child and they're not listed on the wikipedia page so (laughs) well i think Catherine O'Hare is canadian okay Mm -hmm. irish people can move to canada i think but i don't think marina O'Hara is canadian she's not paying attention to my point okay um okay we have to do rank this do a scary scale uh my scary scale is mine's zero point five what's for your honey. for honey oh the honey that's fair in the showers Ooh, yeah showers are horrible I'll bump mine up to a point two. Okay. Um, every week we choose our favorite movie of all the ones we've watched. Um, right now, Sarah's favorite is 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. And mine is the late mine is Lady and the Tramp. So definitely a theme. Yes. Uh, so Sarah, is yours 101 Dalmatians or the Parent Trap? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with 101 Dalmatians. It's just good. There's puppies. Mm-hmm. I think I might. I think I might take the Parent Trap over Lady and the Tramp. I mean, they're very different movies, but I do think I 
enjoy enjoyed it Karen trap what i was just gonna ask if you've shared your um apple your apple podcast news oh yeah not to brag but we have a five-star rating with 11 reviews what i don't know who that is but thank you thank you guys great rate review and subscribe send us your what you like and what you want to hear <clears throat> well our next movie there's a lot of live action stuff but really nothing oh yeah um summer magic the incredible journey Ooh. which is three dogs right and a cat two dogs and a cat oh that's summer bound you want to watch that sure um space on a book has a labrador retriever a bull terrier and a siamese cat that sounds a lot like homer bound okay so we're watching homeward bound one the incredible journey <laughs> uh okay i'm looking forward to that yeah that'll be get ready for lots of dog talk which we've never done before. So. You don't get to talk enough about animals. <laughs> we never really talk about animals, so yeah. it's going to be great. Um, yeah. All right. So talk to us at Gmail, Wolf Disney Podcast at Gmail. Yeah, Wolf Disney Podcast at Gmail and Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Wolf Disney Pod. And tell us um, your camp stories. And also tell us, did your high school gym bathrooms have curtains or stalls at the showers? Very important questions. Well, thanks for joining us, Erin. Thank you. And uh, we're going to go get some barbecue. Yeah. Uh, community barbecue? No, and there's a new place closer to us called Tailored Barbecue. It closes at eight. Okay, we got to go. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, Sarah and I um, got too distracted and did not give our sources for this week. My sources, this is Natalie. My sources are hookedonhouses.net, susanhenning.com, themouseforless.com, KCUR, which is Kansas City Public Radio, and Wikipedia. Sarah's source this week was Wikipedia. This has been Wolf Disney. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is Lamb and Wolf by Poddington Bear. See you next week. Remember when mom asked me when she gave me my period book? Well, you also she, got a book? Well, before she gave me the book, she was like, Do you know about periods? And I truly did not at that point in time. But in my head, How I was. How old were you? I must have been like fifth grade or something. Okay. Right? I mean, um, I think I was in third because they, she had to tell me before I went to Bethelwoods. Well, but I thought maybe maybe she did tell me earlier then because maybe she was doing. You were on a camp. Too. Yeah. Um, but at that point in time, I thought I did because I knew that in shows in high school they went to different periods. So I was like, yes. And then she gave me the book and I was like, no. Actually, I don't know about this. This is a surprise. Horrible. Uh, I wish we had used more words maybe to clarify what I was thinking about. If you feel comfortable, I thought boys and girls had periods because they went, they went to first period, and then suddenly this book's only about girls. So that's. <laughs> I think you should put this in the podcast.